One of those $3 Christian words that we throw around now and again, justification. What does it mean? Why it's important? Next, join us. The Diagnosis and Cure for the Human Race. That is the title we've chosen for the larger series in the Book of Romans. And within that series, several mini-series, one of which we begin today, called The Results of Justification. We'll take a look at what justification is, and then the result of being justified before God. It's a marvelous look at what we have in Christ. Won't you join us? This is Truth For Today from Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Now with today's broadcast of Truth For Today, our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. Romans 5, I believe another section of the book is opening. He spent four chapters saying that the human race is guilty and desperately in need of a verdict of being declared righteous. And he's developed that, that you can only get this through Christ. The human race without Christ is lost and guilty before God. And he spent the whole first chapter, second chapter, and part of the third chapter saying, you read those chapters to everybody that says, everybody's going to heaven. Everybody's good. Everybody, that may be the way you think. That may be the way the Kiwanis Club thinks, but you haven't read what God thinks. God will tell you what he thinks of us as human beings, uh, apart from Christ. He began in chapter 3 and going through 4, telling you you can have a right standing with God through faith in Jesus Christ, and at that moment, he will put to your credit a gift of righteousness you could have never earned, and in that moment, he declares you to be right. It's the word justified, declared right before God, justified. Can you say it? Declared right before God. Remember that. If you don't know what to think about in the morning, wake up justified. Declared right before God through the work of Jesus Christ. That's what he's been saying for four chapters. Now, picking up chapter 5 through 8, he's going to begin to develop, now that I'm justified... Now that I've been declared right before God, what is my status? What is life like being justified? And we're going to do an overview of 1 through 11. If I can't get it all said, I'm trying to do the quick view of Romans, but this book always puts hooks in me. I never want to leave it because it's so magnificent. Uh, And he's going to tell us that uh, what the results are. And in chapter 5, he first of all says the results are peace and for sure the hope of getting the rest of my salvation. Chapter 5, verse 12 says, I no longer will ever be seen in Adam. I will forever now be represented by Jesus Christ. Chapter 6 through 7, he puts a little parentheses on What are my struggles in the present life, and what will God do about it? And he says, God has united you to Christ to give you victory and just release from the indwelling power of sin that bugs all of us. And he describes that, chapter 8, he says, there is an ongoing 
uh, indescribable ministry of the Holy Spirit going on in those who know Jesus Christ. And so he's developing salvation. You know why I love Romans? The first eight chapters primarily explains what salvation's all about, and most Christians I know can't explain it. And they never talk it. They never talk election, imputation. They don't, they just, and so I love every time we look, it's just like we're discovering something all over again. Let's begin the journey. Having been justified, therefore, by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that phrase, you mark that in your Bible sometimes, through our Lord Jesus Christ or in Jesus Christ. It's over and over. It comes through Christ. It comes through the agency of Christ. It comes through Christ. You can't get anything God wants to give guilty sinners unless you come through Christ. The only thing you get from God and Christ not be the one it's through is wrath. But if you're going to get anything that's gracious, divine, and wonderful, Christ will be the agent. So, having been justified, we have peace with God through Christ, through whom... We have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God, demonstrates his kind of love, his own love for us in this. While we were still sinning, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by, through his blood, whose blood? How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For since, it's really a since, it's a condition for if, since, as a fact, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now receive reconciliation. Just in these verses, what is ours as a result of having been justified through faith? Let me just name them. And so you could say, I heard him say it, but he never got to it. 
Number one, we are at peace with God. Number one. If you remember P, peace with God. Two, um, a, uh, I want to be sure I get it right here, a, uh, a permanent standing in grace. Permanent standing in grace. Three, participants in the glory of God. Fourth, purpose for our pressures. Purpose for our pressures. And we'll find out the unsaved have no purpose. Fifth, presently experiencing the love of God in our hearts. Six, protected from future wrath. Seventh, praise God forever is what we've been called to. Peace with God, having been justified. He described the wrath of God in chapter 1 of Romans. God's wrath is being displayed against every form of ungodliness towards men who are suppressing God, who are sinning, who have gone into idolatry, who have gone into this long list of sins. God is angry is what Romans says. And what, how dare God be angry? God says, I'm angry because you've broken my commandments, because you've uh, disregarded my son, and you're not going to get away with it. You cannot make me into a benevolent Santa Claus that has no moral outrage. I am an angry God when it comes to the sin issue. And I don't just stay angry. I do something about it. And the only place my anger was thoroughly quenched regarding you sinners was in the death of Christ. The only other alternative is hell. And it is never quenched. It's very interesting. Hell never ends because the wrath of God towards our sin will never end. The only place it can end is in the death of his son. Only six hours necessary. From nine in the morning to three in the afternoon, Christ did what hell cannot even do for the wrath of God. He quenched God's anger regarding our sins. And when you simply put faith in God's provision, God says, peace has come between you and I. All hostilities end. There is no more rent. And at the end of this section, he uses the word reconciliation. And the two ideas go together. It goes this way. You're in the court. You come as guilty. The judge says, I have found a way I can declare you right before my broken law. How's that? If you'll receive my son, whom I'm willing to give up to die in your place. The son dies in your place, and the court is satisfied. The law is satisfied, and the judge can say, declared righteous. You can leave the court. Go home. Case settled. My son took your case. But ah, it doesn't end that way. The judge says to you in the court, how would you like to be my friend? How would you like to get in my family tree? 
how would you like me to split my son's inheritance with you? Reconciliation is God saying, not only are the crimes paid for and the guilt abated, I want the charged, the guilty, the sinner, I want a friendship with you. I want reconciliation. I want to make you my own. Would you, before you leave, instead of going out a forgiven criminal, let's take out adoption paper. I want to adopt you into my family. Is that okay? Don't get happy. We're in church. Stay. You only can get happy when they sing, not when you preach, because they really will accuse us. And that's what he said. We've been reconciled, the same idea as peace, but reconciliation, you see, justification is a judicial, forensic, legal, before the law relation. The judge doesn't want to know the criminal. Even if they say, no, fine, the lawyer got you off, get out of here. I'm not inviting you to my house for dinner. I do this for a job. I don't want to know the accused. God says, I want a relationship with the accused. I want you to be reconciled to me. And you're standing there saying, what do you mean by reconciliation? You will never again know me to be angry with you. There'll never be any more anger from me. Because you see, I used to hear people argue, theologians, who is reconciled, the sinner or God? And I've, I've read books that God didn't need to be reconciled because he, he wasn't wrong. The reconciliation here goes both ways. Because God was angry at the accused. God was angry at the sinner for his sin until Christ came and abated that. And so he could say, first of all, I'm done being angry with you. I was righteously angry, but it's over. I just want to tell you, you're not coming into the arms of a judge in his robes now that wants to judge you. From now on, you call me Abba, Father. From now on, that's what you call me, not judge, Father. And what am I going to call you? Criminal, sinner, worthless, helpless, No, I call you names like son. I won't even call you a slave. Heir, joint heir, uh, beloved, chosen, forgiven. Can, Can you live with the family names? I won't ever call you idiot. That's what your wife calls you. I'll leave that to her. I want to, God has never called me a bad name. Every name he's called me is what I was. When he called me a sinner, I am a sinner. When he said I was weak, I am weak. When he said I was his enemy, I was. But now in his family, he has never used a bad name on me since I've become his own. Matter of fact, in James says, when I'm overwhelmed with trials and I come and feel like an idiot, he says, I won't give you a lecture and upbraid you. I'll give you wisdom. Why don't you quit calling your kids stupid? God calls us good. See, we're at peace with him. Peace with God. How did you, can you remember the first time you ever since you were at peace with God? The first time. Can you, can you remember it? Is that a conscious moment to you? Or is it something that you just take by faith? I remember. <laughs> I remember. Uh, 
you folks that didn't grow up in Richmond, I can tell you where I was. Hotel Don. Anybody remember the Hotel Don? Because the church where I got saved was on 15th, and we'd drive down to 10th Street, which is now Harbor, I believe, and we'd go, and we'd come through Richmond there, and my dad and sister up front, I'm in the back, and we'd go by 10th and McDonald, Fox Theater, UA Theater, Smith Clothing Store, Pennies, Macy's. Oh, yeah, good times. Cresses. And, uh, but I remember Hotel Don going through there that night. Uh, everything looked better. Everything looked cleaner. And I just remember that night was the first night I slept in months because I'd been under such conviction. Every night I'd gone to sleep for a month. I, I'd say this to God. God, I don't want to die in my sleep because I'll go to hell, but help me someday to know you. I just wanted him to give me another night. I, I knew I, I didn't know him, see, and I didn't want to die without him. And I remember that night, it was like, <sighs> this is an objective peace. You may not always feel overwhelmed with the assurance of it, but this is true anyway. The war's over. And it's more than this. The Greek concept of peace was the ending of hostilities. This, is not, that, this really is not the weight of what Paul's argument. Paul's concept of peace here is shalom. He's thinking like a Jewish rabbi. He's saying, you've entered into a place of shalom, shalom, which means peace, well-being, health divine prosperity, divine blessing. You've just come into the highest epitome of relationship with God. God has no beef with you. You are under divine blessing rather than being under divine accusation. You're at peace with God. Anybody here have the peace of God? With God. Are you at peace? Anybody? Peace with God. That's what it means to really know Christ. I have peace with God. I mean, think of it. I have no beef with God. And he has none with me. That's the miracle is he has none with me. What beef do you have with perfection? But how could he ever fellowship with imperfection? Through Jesus Christ. Well, the second thing he says, we've entered into uh, Christ. We have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Now, let me, several words here. The word access is sometimes translated introduction or access, and we'll develop that. But we've come into this grace in which we now stand. Some believe it's the grace of justification. We've already come into this grace that God has declared us right, and we stand before him forgiven, declared right before God, and it's through Jesus Christ that we've entered into this state. No doubt that's true. But he may be reminding them, now that you are justified, you have been introduced to a status before God of always being in divine favor. Grace is sometimes translated favor. I've been entered into God's presence in the status of standing in divine favor. Now, the word access here has several ways it was used. One, it was used of being introduced to a king, to a royal court. And you see this in the case of Esther. 
that she could not go in and see the king, even though the king was her husband, without him initiating the invitation. You couldn't just go in. Nehemiah is scared to death that his countenance will be fallen in the presence of a king as he serves as cupbearer, knowing that in the presence of a king, you have to meet strict requirements. You cannot be sad. You cannot be sick. You've got to make the king feel at ease. Here he's saying, we have been introduced into the royal court of God, and our status in it is grace. Permanent, and the word is permanency, established. You've been established in the presence of God in his favor. Now, let me tell you something else about this word access. One thing the Old Testament believer did not have and did not take for granted, and that is easy access to God. Give you an example. They built a tabernacle. Solomon built a temple. And in that temple, they said, you're a Gentile boy. Yeah, I'm a Gentile. You stay in the outer court. And this was even true during the ministry of Christ. You stay out there. Don't even be daring to come close. Oh, you're a woman. We, we got an outer place for you. You're out there next to the Gentiles. You can't be up here even with the men. The men got in a little closer. Then next, the next credential was, are you a Levite? So I had to be of the right tribe, the right gender, the right ethnicity. There's not a one of you that could even approach the temple. There's no place there but the outskirts for us. And then they had one man that once a year, 14th day of Nisan in the Jewish calendar, one day a year for probably no more than one hour, he got to risk his life to go into the Holy of Holies and sprinkle blood and hoping that it was acceptable to God. If it was not, God would kill him on the spot and they would drag him out from underneath the curtain with a rope they had tied around his waist in case God killed him and they would pull him out. This was access to God. And you better bring blood and I'm only going to let you enter into the Holy of Holies once a year. And now God tells these people that for four chapters, he said, you're guilty, you're sinful, you've broken my law, but when you put your faith in Christ, I'm going to give you a permanent access to me in grace. You have full-time access to God. Anytime you want to go, I don't go to the outer court. I don't check in on gender. I don't check in on ethnicity. I don't check in on whether I'm a Levite. I don't go through some high priest. I've got one high priest. It's Jesus. Jesus, and I go right in to the presence of God. Direct access. By the way, have you been using it? You can approach God anytime. Or Hebrews 10 said it's a new and living way. And this was before AT&T. You couldn't get in. Man, what happened on the day Christ died? Why did God just... Why did he rent that curtain? Josephus said you could take two oxen and take the temple curtain and have the oxen go and they could not pull it apart. And an invisible hand on that day, an invisible hand 
didn't cut it from the bottom side. That means man would have cut it. Just get a pair of scissors and work on it. God said, no, no, this thing will be cut from the top down. I rent the veil. Come on in, guilty sinner. Our series is simply entitled, The Results of Justification. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Closing out a broadcast today, we would remind you that copies of the broadcast are available. Simply call and request the series, The Results of Justification, and we'll get a copy out to you, or just a simple copy of today's broadcast as well. You can also get these resource materials off of our website, valleybible.org. Here's where to call, 855-833-9864. And we would love to hear from you, especially if you're feeling led to partner with us financially and prayerfully. No gift is too small. To become a TFT sustainer, simply contact us and let us know that you're willing to link arms with us as we continue to minister the gospel of Christ here in the greater Bay Area. You can call 855-833-9864 or stop by valleybible.org. You can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. As a TFT sustainer, you'll receive a quarterly newsletter, once a year special gift, and access to Take a Break, which is our weekly video, our devotional video with Pastor Phil. It's all available when you contact us at 855-833-9864. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Pastor Phil Howard.